Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast being recorded in the beautiful Doubletree Hotel, Deerfield Beach, Florida. And tonight, it's the Random Show. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Like I said in the intro, I am on the road tonight. I am in Deerfield Beach, Florida. And along with that goes the drink local mantra of this show. And tonight I am having a mango IPA from the Hollywood Brewing of Hollywood, Florida. Weighing it at a moderate 6.2 APV. The first one was pretty good. Just a hint of mango. The second one, eh, probably not that much of a fan. Before we get to tonight's topics, let's take a quick run around the interwebs. And guess what? The jetpack is back, but this time there's a different viewpoint on it. And in the past few episodes, we've discussed at least two incidents where pilots reported seeing a person strapped to a jetpack right around 6,000 feet, somewhere around LAX. Boing Boing gives us this uh, viewpoint on it. Jetpack maker doubts reports of jetpack flyer near LAX because no one told him they were going to be illegally flying there. David Mayman is the chief executive of the Los Angeles-based Jetpack Aviation, and he said last Thursday that he doesn't believe what the pilots and crew members are seeing are indeed jetpacks. Well, David... I know for a fact that pilots have at least one, possibly two medical checkups each year, and I'm guessing that an eye chart is involved in at least one of those sessions. Now, Mayman's company was established in 2016, and it has produced a total of five jetpacks. He said, noting that all of them are under lock and key, and only two people have those keys, Mayman and his chief engineer, and none of the packs have been sold. Growing up in the age of the Rockford Files in Colombo, I know that last statement narrows down the field of suspects to a total of two people. Stay tuned. I'm willing to bet this isn't over yet. Did you recently just graduate from college? Maybe have a family member? Do you think they miss it? Are they looking for something to do? How about a contest? Everybody loves contests. Well, Lifehacker has posted this live out your college dream of drinking Natty Light on a private jet. Winner of the Natural Flight Contest will receive a flight to nowhere with up to three guests consisting of three hours of flight time on a private jet. Taking off from and returning to the same airport, the jet includes TVs, gaming systems, food, and Natty Light beer. Natty Light... I've been there. No money, some random gas station in the middle of nowhere. After a three-hour flight full of Natty Light, I'm willing to bet that your kidneys are going to need to take a break. And look, I'm not a total beer snob. I could put Natty Light in the same category as Fisher's, Old old Style uh, English Ale, as well as Carling's Black Label. In the mid-80s, my dad was living in Atlanta. I was still based out of Florida. So we were going to have a big, huge father-son weekend up in the North Georgia mountains. So I flew into Atlanta, headed up to his place, and he opens the refrigerator. And for our father-son man-to-man weekend, 
he had purchased a case of Carling's Black Label beer. I'm willing to bet in 1986, 1987, that case of beer probably set him back a total of a whopping $7. But maybe I'll apply for this contest and take him on a three-hour flight with me. So one of the things that we've really gotten into around Chateau Relaxo in the past few months is we've been revisiting geocaching. And if you've never done geocaching, think of it as the world's biggest treasure hunt. There's an app for your phone that's free. People hide what they call caches or geocaches out in the woods. It could be something as small as an Altoids tent, an ammo box, something that's painted. There's actually an app for your phone. You download it, it's free. And it uses the GPS coordinates of the caches to help you locate them. It's a ton of fun. There's usually some kind of a trinket in the box and the the kind of game plan behind it is you take a trinket, but in turn you leave a trinket for somebody else. There's typically a uh, sign in in the logbook and you can actually update the caches that you have found in the app. And they used to have what they call travel bugs years ago. I haven't found one in a while, but you actually, it tracks the travel of that specific trinket in the cache. So of course with traveling, it made it really cool for me to find something in South Carolina, put it in my luggage and then put it in a geocache somewhere in Virginia a few weeks later. What I like about it is it really will let you stretch your limits, both physically and mentally. You get to experience new places like a local. We were in Chattanooga a few years ago, and there was a couple wandering around downtown looking for a cache. And you'll actually find places in your own town that you never knew existed. It gets you outside. Fun for the whole family, and you can do it anytime, anywhere. Rain or shine, don't need to stand in line. No, Don't need to pay for anything. Like I said, the app is free. Download it, get outside, and have a little bit of fun. The website View from the Wing posted this last week, hotel and planes are both safer than we thought. The article goes on to say there have been no known cases of COVID-19 transmission on U.S. airlines. And of course, the key words in that previous sentence is known cases. Sure, U.S. contract tracing isn't very good, but even internationally and across the whole world, there are only a few flights where spread is believed to have occurred despite around a billion people traveling so far this year. Hotels seem to be safe as well. There haven't been any documented cases of the spread between rooms either in hotels or office buildings. However, the article does go on to say office spread has occurred where there is an open floor plan, but the virus doesn't seem to spread through the HVAC systems, though is an admittedly tentative report at this time. It doesn't travel through walls as well. So my takeaways from the article is, guess what, folks? Airline filtration seems to be working. That being said, though, that the high-level air filtration isn't necessarily throughout the terminal. Be cautious at the TSA checkpoints and around the gate. You know what? Pretend you're at your local Publix grocery store. Give yourself five or six feet between people. Your hotel room is still probably very low risk for transmission or catching a covid I still say that hotels are very inconsistent as far as their COVID practices go. Tonight, the Doubletree that I'm staying at actually had a table inside the elevator with hand sanitizer as well as towels. But just a week and a half ago, I was in an elevator at Hilton Garden Inn that had nothing. We do have one lingering question from our recent Q&A episode. Mr. Cirrhosis of the Liver writes, can I drink my own booze on a flight? Let me check with the CI, no. No, you can't. There's actually an FAA regulation, 121.575. 
no person may drink any alcoholic beverage aboard an aircraft unless a certificate holder operating the aircraft has served that beverage then to them. So you can't drink it, but you certainly can bring it on board. You can carry as many of those little mini bottle or nip bottles of liquor that will fit comfortably inside a one quart size clear plastic zip top bag. Just make sure the bag closes. Like I've said many, many times, plain drinking while sexy never ends up well. This comes from the I'm a baller or at least my legal counsel is department. Passenger books private jet when flight is oversold. His lawyer sends a bill to the airline. So this was from another view from the wing article. Here are the bullet points. Passengers flight is overbooked. We've all been there. Asked to be rebooked on the next flight with a different airline. This was refused. Typically, airlines will do this. I mean, heck, they don't want some angry passenger stuck in the terminal. After all possible commercial options were exhausted to reach his destination that same day, he chartered a plane. And so now he's suing for slightly over $25,000. You got to admit, this guy is brazen. I don't think I would ever pull out a card. More than likely, I would go find a local hotel, spend the night there and catch a flight back the next day. But honestly, where do I sign up for a program like this? My guess is legal counsel is probably something along the lines of Morgan and Morgan or fair and a Farrah. A few travel tips, you know, they always say, and I don't know who they is, but they always say you get what you pay for. Most of the time it's true, but I'll tell you what, spending 12 bucks on an AARP membership will pay back way more than that $12, especially when it comes to travel. They can provide ideas for your next trip. 10 stunning less visited national parks is one of their subtitles. 10 hikes in the U.S. national parks. Also, as well as travel tips, probably a lot more useful than mine. What it's like to be in Vegas during the coronavirus era, road trip safety tips, and of course, overseas travel advisories. They even have blog posts on trip ideas for every budget. You can even go as far as to book travel through AARP and through their portal. My advice to you would be to check prices first. If you spent any time listening to the podcast, you know that I am a Southwest Airlines poster child. I always tell you to pay for the early bird boarding. Guess what? Right now, don't do it. And why would I tell you not to pay for the early early bird boarding? If you're not familiar with this, it gets you on within the first 60 people on the plane, meaning that you're going to probably get the seat of your choice, whether it be a window seat or an aisle seat, exit row or not. The reason I'm telling you to hold off on that is right now, Southwest is leaving every single middle seat open. So no matter when you board, more than likely you're going to get an aisle seat or a window seat. I actually had a travel mystery solved. Yes, there's a travel mystery that I did not have an answer for. We've all heard the safety announcements, right? And it always says, raise your window shades for takeoff and landings. But nobody's ever told me why. And I really thought in my convoluted mind that it had something to do with your eyes being able to adjust between the interior of a plane and the outside, right? Because it might be a night flight, but what about during the day where the light inside the plane and the sunlight is somewhat equal? Well, here's the reason. In an emergency, having the shades up during takeoff and landing enables the crew as well as the passengers to observe whether or not it's safe to evacuate from one side of the airplane versus the other. 
And a couple other interesting facts. They also say don't inflate your life jacket while inside the plane. Again, my little feeble-minded brain always kind of figured that that with an inflated life jacket, it was going to make you tougher to get out the exit doors. But look, really, when you think about it, there's people carrying luggage and backpacks making it in and out that door all the time. The reason is that if the cabin is flooded and you have an inflated life jacket, you're at risk of being lifted towards the ceiling of the plane and not being able to get out. Here's another one that they talk about. Unlock your seat belt by lifting up on the buckle. Sounds very simple, right? Why are you reminding me? Guess what, folks? Your seat belt buckle in your car operates by pushing down on it. So what are you going to do in a panic mode? You may be starting to push. I mean, we've all driven to work at some point and don't remember how we got there. It's called highway hypnosis. Same thing can happen when you're trying to undo your belt buckle or your seat belt buckle on an airplane and not realize what you're actually doing. Uber. We all remember Uber, don't we? Well, I have not been inside one in months, but they have been pretty aggressive when it comes to COVID. They rolled out face detection technology for its drivers in May to make sure that they were wearing masks. Well, now if you're reported by an Uber driver for not wearing a mask inside an Uber, you are required to take a selfie before anybody picks you up or they process your ride. No mask, no ride. A little bit of kitchen randomness. One of my new discoveries in the kitchen is parchment paper. Where have you been my whole life? I have no idea. This is the greatest thing ever. Anytime I'm baking anything in a baking sheet, I lay down a layer of parchment paper. Nothing sticks. It browns up nice and easy and makes cleanup a breeze. The other thing is the air fryer, right? We had a two-year debate on whether to not to buy one. And I really was under the impression that it cooked food faster. I didn't, the fryer, right? You should think, well, yeah, it doesn't need oil. But for some reason, I thought it was an air microwave fryer. Here's a little tip for you. Use it for hot dogs. You can thank me later. Throw a couple dogs in there. Set it for about three or four minutes. Like I said, you can thank me later. When it comes to working from home, we should all be pros by now. But there still are some advantages. Well, you get some of your time back. No commute to work, no distractions while you're at work. Every time you try to go to the water fountain or the restroom, nobody drags you into a undocumented meeting or unscheduled meeting. Nobody stops you to show you pictures of their kids. Your clothing budget will get a boost. I typically buy dress clothes twice a year. So right now I'm considering myself six months ahead. We sat down and did our budget last week, and our dry cleaning costs have decreased. We were spending an upwards of about 120 bucks a month. That has been severely reduced. I think we've cut that down to about 40 to to 60 dollars. I am traveling a little bit more and more. The other thing about working from home is, guess what? You get a beautiful environment to work in. No corporate provided cubicle art. About 25 years ago, I was working for a company, not my present one. And we were moving to a new office. Somehow I got nominated, and I now see why, to be on the new building meeting committee to help pick out furnishings. I've never seen such a debate over molding and the color of molding and the looks of molding in all of my life. For me, the office, you know what? Nothing good happens in the office in my business. Nothing. No one inside the office is going to buy anything from me. So that's another advantage of working from home. We've talked about it before with food, you know, no odd smells from the refrigerator, no odd smells from the microwave when somebody decides to fire up their uh, leftover snapper from the night before. 
And of course, you don't get the passive aggressive note on the refrigerator telling everybody that Friday is clean out day. If you're still struggling with working from home, there's a few things you can do to make it a little bit easier. Get dressed in the morning. Don't wear your pajamas or your sleeping clothes into your home office. Get dressed, act like you're going to the office, take breaks. Stay connected to friends and family, you know, still fire up those free 40 minute Zoom meetings every so often so you can eyeball your friends and coworkers. This was an interesting article from American Express. Consumers prioritize remote learning and work from home upgrades this back to school season while dreaming of future travel. This comes from Amex Trendex, which is a Trendex index that tracks how consumers, small businesses, and merchants are feeling about sending, saving, and traveling. And it said that about 75% of the people were prepared to adjust any kind of upcoming changes for spending for homeschooling for the kid. And about 55% of the people were considering a co-parenting with another family member to help ease some of the child care and homeschool uh, responsibilities. They also talked about how lack of travel is taking an emotional toll on people. It said 78% of people say traveling is one of their top activities that they miss the most right now. And 48% of people believe that they're not going to be able to travel and it is making them anxious and stressed over the coming year. The article also went on to say that 77% of the people surveyed preferred to book online for their own but would like to have a real person available when they needed help at an airport. 61% are willing to pay more for a plane or train ticket that has every other seat free. Well, most airlines are still doing that. Like I said, Southwest is doing it through the end of November. And consumers value flexibility and cleanliness. 25% of those surveys say increased flexibility for refunds and travel changes is the leading factor for booking in the future, followed then by cleanliness standards as well. I agree with that. Nobody knows who's what's going on. Nobody knows who's going to get sick. And it's much easier to have a very simple and straightforward cancellation policy when booking travel. Well, there you have it. The wrap up of the roundup show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do, if you didn't leave me a voicemail at anchor.com or shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. We're getting closer to say travel safe, but until that time, let's just stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at hypeamerica.com from food to travel to just general life humor. We cover all the topics. Thanks again.